Hello, my lovely people, and welcome back to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we're talking about Tough Guys Don't Die, season one, episode 17, first aired February 24th, 1985. And the IMDb summary reads, a private detective hired by Jessica to research an old case is suddenly murdered. Oh, this one's a good one. Uh, First and foremost, because Jerry Orbach is here. He's making his first appearance as Harry McGraw, also known as Harlan, but that's in a different episode. We meet him. (laughs) We learn his real name. But uh, I am a huge fan of Jerry Orbach and um, his Law and Order history. I wish I could have seen The Law and Harry McGraw. I have to see if I can find that so I can watch it because I am a huge fan of Jerry Orbach. So having Jerry Orbach and Angela Lansbury in this episode and a few others throughout the series is always a pleasure. So let's get into this. So we open at Miles and McGraw private investigations office and Miles is updating Jessica about the Danbury scalpel murder. And he's like, I checked all the leads. There really isn't and no one's still alive or mentally capable of telling them what happened. So um, I think the judge died the um the lawyer for the defendant he is alive but he wasn't talking the original defendant the doctor um he was he died um i think that he said the prosecutor died and the investigating detective had a mental breakdown um so he was not a resource anymore but Miles did have um, a lead. Well, actually, I'll start calling him Archie. Everyone calls him Archie. His name is Archie Miles. So Archie did tell Jessica that he had a lead uh, with a Martha Clay. She was a nurse on duty the night of the murder. So just a quick overview of that murder. Basically, a doctor was accused of murdering a patient, I believe, or a visitor to the hospital. with a scalpel in Danbury, Connecticut, I'm assuming. And um, the doctor was acquitted. And there were rumors, we'll find out throughout this episode, but there were rumors that there was um, falsified testimony, that there were bribes, etc., that this wealthy doctor was acquitted of this crime. So we'll get a bit more into that and that story develops a bit more throughout this. So Archie says to Jessica, if you really want me to look into this one last possible lead, I'll do that. So she said, yes, it's really important. Thank you. Now she wants this information because she's writing a book and specifically about this murder. So she is doing her due diligence. She's doing her research. So after Jessica asked him to please continue to look into it, Archie agrees and he hangs up. He starts to record his notes and he hears someone enter the office. Now he calls out for Alma. We find out that that is the secretary for the private investigators. And um, we learn that she tends to lock the door when she leaves. So He hears someone unlocking the door. He assumes it's her. He doesn't get a response. He gets up. He walks around out of his office around the corner to the reception area. And at that point, he is shot. I believe twice. There We hear two gunshots, if I remember correctly. The next scene, we are at Santino Developers, uh, the office, and we meet Santino. And he's on the phone and he then looks at a newspaper as a, as a result of whatever he's told on the phone. 
he opens the newspaper and it looks like it, of course, is folded to the exact page he needs to see, right? And it is a clearly the actor's headshot. <laughs> they do that a lot, which I do appreciate that they put the actual actor's headshot <laughs> in the paper. But it says that um, the detective was murdered. The private investigator was murdered. And Santino says, yeah, this is the guy who has been following me around. So now Santino is uh, involved in this. Um, whether he, it doesn't sound like he's the murderer though, because it, unless he hired someone, but I think he would then know that the, the hit was successful. So that for me immediately cleared him. But of course the audience knows this, but no one else involved in the episode knows this. The next scene, we are at the airport, well, outside the airport, and we meet Priscilla, and she is the, I think she's the owner and editor of Femininity Magazine. And she's coming back from Paris, and she's speaking with her assistant, who's updating her. As she's about to, I don't know if she's about to get in the car, but as, as they're walking down the sidewalk, um, Gavin, we learn his name is Gavin, uh, Priscilla's ex-husband approaches and she's like, oh, Gavin, I haven't seen you in years. Like what's going on with the school, etc." He's a professor at a school, not in this area. So he is um, far away from home, I guess. So she, that's why she's so surprised to see him because he does not live in um, this area that they're in. He doesn't live in Boston. I believe they're in Boston. Um, so he's like, we have to talk. So she sends off her assistant and she and Gavin then proceeds to tell her that um, there was a detective, well, private investigator, who was asking around at the school about Gavin and Priscilla and their relationship and marriage. So she's like, oh, what? like, um, okay, that's upsetting, right? And then he tells her, well, he was murdered. And I believe that this is the guy who was looking into our marriage. So now, at least... For the audience, it doesn't seem like Gavin is uh, a suspect in this, but that does not mean that Priscilla isn't. She was in Paris, but, you know, when you're the CEO, editor, or owner, and or owner of a well-respected magazine, we learn, you can pay somebody to take him out. So, <laughs> But again, we'll learn more about this investigation that Archie was doing as well. So the next scene, we're back in Cabot Cove and we see Harry McGraw in a very distinctive vehicle parked across the street from Jessica's house and Jessica sees it and he is, he is so obvious, right? This is a small town, right? Cabot Cove is a small town and he is not even like ducking down. He is literally sitting in his car on the street where there are no other vehicles. So <laughs> this is as bad as Nagy hiding behind that bush in a full suit <laughs> with very little cover as Jessica went for her run back in Death Takes a Curtain Call. <laughs> Just so obvious. So... <laughs> Sorry, that was ridiculous. Both the Nagy situation with him behind that bush and Harry McGraw sitting in this like pale yellow, if I remember correctly, uh, vehicle. <laughs> Just as clear as day on an empty street in the middle of the morning. Anyway, so Jessica, of course, spots him and determines that Honestly, she's the only person in town that, not just on that street, but in town that someone would be watching their house. So <laughs> clearly he's there for her. 
Anyway, she goes on and leaves via her bike. She goes out her front door, makes sure she's seen, gets on her bike, rides off. At this point, Harry exits his vehicle, walks across the street, broad daylight, mind you, broad daylight, and just walks into her house because we all know that Jessica does not lock her doors until she starts living in New York City and she takes those traits um, of locking her door in New York City in an apartment back home to Cabot Cove. But at this point, she her back door is just unlocked. Okay, just open for the world. <laughs> so he just walks on in because small town, clearly the door is unlocked. And um, while he's searching around, uh, Jessica comes in the front door uh, and catches him in the kitchen. And she's like, can I help you? Once he's caught by Jessica, he says, well, I am working for you. (laughs) And she's like, what? He hands her his business card. And she's like, oh, he says his name is Harry McGraw. He says, oh, Miles and McGraw. He says, yes. Um, I am, I believe that one of the investigations that Archie was looking into, one of which was yours, may have resulted in him being murdered. So I am now investigating these to see if I can track it back to his murder. And (laughs) Harry says, like, that was really bold of you to confront me you know, basically alone in your house. And she's like, yeah, when I left, I went and I called the sheriff. He should be here any minute. (laughs) So Harry's like, yeah, so I got to uh, 23 Skidoo. (laughs) Gotta get out of here before. I don't want to deal with some country cop. So (laughs) truly though. Um, Yeah, you don't really want to deal with Amos. He'll get confused and you'll end up being arrested and it'll be a mess. So yes, please go on back to Boston. But rest assured that Jessica will be there in the morning to help in your investigation. (laughs) You don't know when you opened that door to her house, you really invited her into this investigation. If only you knew. The next scene, we're at Archie's house and Jessica took a taxi there and we don't know where this is. I'm assuming it's somewhere in the suburbs around Boston, I'm guessing. And Archie's wife is coming home from wherever she is coming home from, probably the funeral home, to be honest. And um, Jessica gets out of her taxi, approaches her and is um, giving her condolences and saying like, you know, he was working on a case for me and, you know, um, he said he might have a lead and I just wanted to know if he had said anything. Now, what I was thinking was as much as I love Jessica, this is too much. Honestly, this woman's husband was murdered probably less than four days ago. And you're asking about your 25-year-old case for a book and she lost her husband and is not there with any family. So she has to deal with this and make the arrangements by herself. Jessica, this, you did not read the situation. This was awful. And usually Jessica is very aware and appropriate, but I was like, this is too much. And the woman snapped at her, rightfully so. This this was completely inappropriate and it, terrible. It, it really was. The next scene, we're outside of Santini's office. And um, it's Ray. We find out later his name is Ray. He is watching the office, which is really like a shack, I want to say. <laughs> it's really like a shed at a construction site that's really the long and short of it. And Ray is the only other vehicle on the road other than Santini's, which is parked in front of his office. So again, I'm like, y'all don't seem too good at this. (laughs) Harry pulls up behind Ray. Ray gets out, approaches Harry, 
um, to hand off the investigation. This is clearly one that Archie was working on now. Ray and uh, Harry have to take over. So um, Ray is asking what they're looking for. Like, why are they watching him, I believe? And so Harry's like, well, the wife thinks that um, he's cheating. And he says the wife believes that Santini is dipping in someone else's hot tub. Now, I'm sure that his wife didn't put it that way. But Harry just has these, I don't want to say old timey. He just has these really unique sayings throughout this entire episode. And this one was wild, okay? <laughs> I've never heard it put that way. Anyway, so after Ray leaves, a few seconds, really, maybe a minute at most later, Santini walks out of his office, gets in his car, and drives off. Harry then makes a U-turn, the only other car on this street, right? Makes a U-turn and is following him. While Harry's following him, he is on his recorder, uh, tape recording his notes, updating the file, I guess you would say. At some point, he even says that he is like basically riding this guy's bumper, okay? <laughs> he's not like falling back or anything. It's clear that he's following him, but Harry says he hasn't let on that he knows that he's being followed. Well, he does know because he goes down this alley with what appears to be maybe a dead end. Harry, of course, is like uh, three inches behind him. <laughs> he then, Harry immediately realizes that this is a trap. He puts his car into reverse only to see two other vehicles speed up and stop behind him. Now, Okay, Harry, why are your your doors not locked in your vehicle? Okay, <laughs> let's discuss that for a second. But anyway, so three men in construction outfits approach from the two vehicles and pull Harry out of the car, like open his unlocked door, pulls him out and proceeds to give him a warning um, about to leave Santini alone. Now, they didn't beat Archie up, but they're beating <laughs> Harry. That's awful. Anyway, um, Harry's just trying to do his job, you know? <laughs> Give that man some grace, right? Anyway, so the next scene, we are at Miles and McGraw, and Jessica is waiting for Harry and she's basically saying that, well, it could have been my case. Harry's like, it wasn't your case. Like, it, that case is dead in the water. But she also offers her help for looking into the other two cases. Uh, Harry just completely blows her off. Long story short, he blows off Jessica's help. Surprise, surprise, because of course he would. The next scene, we are at the precinct. So it's Jessica and Lieutenant Starkey. And they're listening to the recording, which um, included my, which included Archie's murder, the two gunshots that killed him. Lieutenant Starkey says that there's really no leads at this point and it's turning into a cold case. So Jessica's like, well, I don't, understand because he taught at the academy. He was a well-respected detective as well as a private investigator. Lieutenant Starkey then goes, closes the door and says, okay, I'll be completely honest with you, but I'll deny it if it gets out of this room. That Archie was like a father to the entire police department and they are just distraught over the fact that he was murdered. But that is why they're letting Harry take care of it. And Jessica's like, what? So he could be judge, jury, and executioner. And Lieutenant Starkey's like, listen, we don't want to take a chance that the murderer gets off on a technicality. And although that's not what happens in real life, it makes sense. If there's 
no leads to this and you have a private investigator who can well clearly clearly Harry is not an under the radar type of guy as we've already seen but a private investigator is believed to be able to um, circumvent the law he or she can use methods that police cannot use and it's clear that the police department believes that it's going to take those non-police procedures to find the person who murdered Archie and to ensure that he or she, right, suffers the consequences of murdering this beloved member of law enforcement. So the next scene, we are at Femininity magazine and Jessica is talking to Priscilla. Priscilla says that she wants Jessica to write about surviving the literary world, which is dominated by men, and doing so as a strong woman and being the one on top. You know, being able to not just make her way through the literary world, but to conquer it, which I think is an amazing story. Let's be honest. But Jessica says that she wants to do a story about in remembrance of her marriage and about how and about her and Frank's relationship and how that allowed her to grow into the person she was when he died and that person is the person that wrote her first book and entered into the literary world but she would not have been able to navigate as she had now without the lessons that she learned um, from Frank and as Frank's partner, right? So they both learned from each other. Priscilla's like, I don't really think that's what my readers want. Jessica's like, well, that's the only one I'm doing. So (laughs) of course, Priscilla's like, yeah, no, it's more important to have your name in the byline. So yes, you can write that if that's what you really want to do. My thing is, Priscilla should have said, is it possible for you to write both? Girl, listen, come on now. You got one month and then the next month you got a little series situation going. You're too smart of a businesswoman to have not come back around and said, why don't you do both? But okay. As the meeting is winding down, Priscilla gets a call from a Davis Randolph. And we find out later that he is... um, a political pundit type thing. Like he is who's who when you want to run for public office. We learn that later. Also, as an aside, both Priscilla and Jessica love their outfits. Another A-plus wardrobe situation right here. So before Jessica leaves, Priscilla invites her to Femininity's fifth year anniversary party. So Jessica accepts. And while they're finishing their meeting outside, we see Harry McGraw in disguise. (laughs) Okay, sunglasses, cowboy hat, and an accent. And he's asking to see Priscilla. They said, oh yeah, her, whoever the guy is. He was like, I only deal with the, the top person. Like, what... You know, I want to see Priscilla, but he sees the other guy. And as Jessica and Priscilla are finishing up and they're walking out of the office, the other associate walks over with Harry and he introduces himself as, uh, I forget his first name, but it was Tyler was the last name from Texas. Okay. Tyler, Mr. Tyler from Texas. So... He introduces himself. He's like, oh, yeah, Jessica Fletcher. Oh, you're the mystery gal. (laughs) At least he didn't act like he had never heard of her. So that was a good move on his part. And so he, uh, Jessica's like, oh, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Taylor. He's like, Tyler, Tyler. (laughs) He's like, get my fake name right, Jessica. So he's talking about like seven figures in advertisement and not starting with a one as the scene closes out. (laughs) Anyway, so the next scene, we're at Jessica's hotel. She's walking into her hotel room and Harry is in there waiting, smoking a cigarette. Now I'm like, honestly, that's rude. 
Like, that is super rude, okay? <laughs> She's not a smoker. Like, what are you doing? That is terrible. That's terrible. Anyway, and how did he get there before her? If his meeting was after hers, Jessica was just out on the town, okay? I guess so. So, um, Jessica is like, I am determined to figure out um, which case led to Archie being murdered and whether you help me or not. Now, I'm thinking, Jessica, that person could murder you, okay? Harry has a gun, okay? Ray has a gun. Archie had a gun, but he was caught off guard. They, and you have zero, okay? Zero and unlocked doors, okay? Someone could have, this murderer could murder you. You're not invincible. Like, okay, Harry, at this point, agrees that, you know, he will give her information and she can help. Anyway, so... The next scene, we are back at Miles and McGraw. I believe it's the next morning. And we find out that an EPF is who hired Archie to look into Priscilla's past. So the next scene, we're at the femininity party. Just side note, remember how I said that um, Priscilla and Jessica looked amazing in the office? These two outfits were not a win for me. Neither Priscilla or Jessica's. I'm I'm just saying I my opinion has changed as to these outfits. Okay. Woo. Anyway, so we find out at this party that Gavin still loves Priscilla, but their careers were more important to them. And the school is not in that area, so it would have been difficult for him to continue teaching and um, her to continue building and running femininity uh, because it doesn't appear that those two places are close enough for them to commute. And just the time that they spent uh, on their jobs and working was didn't leave time for them to have a uh, good relationship, unfortunately. But we learn that later the circumstances of how they met and married. So there was a good chunk of time before Priscilla became the person that we see her as today and this success where uh, Gavin was a professor and they had time to have a strong relationship before she was married to her job. And she was only married to Gavin. However, I think Gavin was always married to his job as a professor. We also meet Judge Carter Lambert. We find out that he was the attorney for the doctor who was acquitted in the Danbury scalpel murders. And he has been avoiding Jessica's calls, but he is nice, nasty to her (laughs) at the party because he's polite, but within reason. So um, he's like, I'm not going to talk to you about this. That case is over. Everybody is basically dead leave it alone. And honestly, she should have. But of course, she did it. And um, when Jessica talks to Priscilla, she denies knowledge of this murdered detective. Because Jessica's like, I think that this detective was looking into you um, because you're rumored to be planning to run for Congress. So, um, to which Priscilla denies that she's running for public office and she denies knowing the murdered detective to which Jessica said, well, I never said he was murdered. I just said he died. So yeah, that's not a checkmate, Jessica, because his death, his murder, I take that back. His murder was announced in the local papers there where she lives and does business. So uh, I'm sure that she could put two and two together and see who you were talking about and could refer back to the fact that she saw it in the local paper. It wasn't a checkmate like, oh, you showed your hand. She didn't. It was in the local paper, Jessica. Next scene, we're at Miles and McGraw. And Jessica then um, puts together 
at this point. I thought it was the last time she was there talking to Harry, but I think here she is when Jessica puts it together that Priscilla is the one who hired Archie and that the EPF who hired him is stands for Editor and Publisher of Femininity magazine, that is. So um, she, he, at this point, determines that Priscilla hired Archie to see if there was anything that would come up um, during her political run. Because, you know, they will find your kindergarten teacher and find out that you were had detention for chewing gum, okay? <laughs> at like six years old, or you had a bad attitude problem in the third grade. They'll figure that out. So she wanted to make sure her background check, her deep dive background check came back clear because I guess whoever she was running against wasn't going to lay down, um, wasn't going to roll over and let her have it. So she wanted to be prepared that whatever was in her past was not going to um, be revealed, um, even with an expert private investigator. The next scene, we're at Archie's house where his wife is moving out and she's she's being very nice to Jess, which she has, she she's not required to do. She's not required to do it all. Jessica apologizes as she should because that was too much. That was too much in the earlier scene. It, it was. Um, but Archie's wife, she gave Jessica a sheet of paper that had the name of the town in Vermont um, that maybe this was what she was talking about. Maybe this is the lead that Archie had mentioned. So the next scene, we're in Vermont and um, Jessica gets there by bus, of course, and she goes into an insurance company. The woman who's sitting at the desk, her um, her nameplate says L. Cargill. And uh, Jessica says, oh, I'm looking for Martha Clay. To which... Um, the young woman says, I don't know her. Thank you. And Jessica pushes and she's like, well, you know, she might have changed her name or something to that effect. And the young lady says, I told you I don't know. So just leave me alone and storms off. Now, Jessica, you got what you asked for here. When she said, I don't know that lady, you should have let her be, but you didn't. So you got what you got. Okay. Now you, I didn't mean to, she says, I didn't mean to upset her. But you kind of did. Let's be honest. You kind of did. You wanted the answers that you wanted. And you asked one question too many and you upset her. And um, now her supervisor is like, now I got to, you know, I, I have to comfort her because now she's upset. So we find out from her supervisor that her parents um, owned a nursing home down the road. And that they both died in a fire while they were trying to save their patients. So she was clearly emotionally raw, still, completely understandably. Um, and Jessica asked, well, was the woman's first name Martha? To which the insurance agent was like, yes, it was, you know. So she's like, oh, Okay, thank you very much. Can you please tell um, the Miss Cargill that I, you know, I, that I apologize? And then Jessica walks out of the insurance agency, and um, Judge Carter, Judge Lambert, is standing outside waiting for her by his vehicle. And so he says, "Well, now it's time for you to know the whole story since you kept." Sticking your nose into it after I told you to leave it be, I'm going to drive you back to Boston and tell you the whole story. So how do you know that your client wasn't the one who murdered the victim? And Judge Lambert says, well, because um, Tom Cargill told me. And she's like, who's that? And he says, the real murderer. At the end of the ride, Judge Lambert is dropping Jessica off. He's told her the story. We haven't heard it just yet. And asks, well, are you going to write the book? And she says, well, the writer in me says yes. But, you know, the human side of me, however she put it, 
says that maybe some things are better left as they are, which I agree. I agree. Yes, Jessica, this is the Jessica we know and love, the one who has, you know, puts integrity and humanity before anything else. So she is dropped off at the building where Miles and McGraw's office is. So she goes up and she just goes to open the door to which Harry pulls it open with a gun in his hand. And she's like, oh, wait, he's like, what are you doing here at this time of night? Jessica, knock on the door. Like, are you serious? You're just trying to walk in at like 10 o'clock at night to a private investigator's office where everyone except uh, Alma, well, she probably carries a gun too, to be absolutely honest. She looks like the type that you wouldn't expect to, but has like a switchblade or something. <laughs> Her makeup and hair are always on point, but like she may have a, a, a small pistol or a switchblade if you get a little too spicy. Anyway, so um, Jessica then tells Harry the story of what really happened. So apparently Tom Cargill, um, who was dating Martha Clay, the floor nurse at the hospital where the murder occurred, Tom was at the hospital visiting his girlfriend, Martha Clay. And while he was there, he recognized the guy who raped his sister and got away with it. And as a result of the, as a result of the rapist getting acquitted due to some technicality. Um, Tom's sister, unfortunately, you know, um, took her own life. And so at that point, Tom, recognizing him, all of this floods back. He just grabs the first weapon he can, which happens to be a scalpel, and murders the man. However, due to some circumstances, um, the finger gets pointed at uh, the doctor. So Tom, at this point, once the doctor was arrested, Tom went to then attorney Carter Lambert and told him the story. Now, the way Tom and um, Carter know each other is because they were both in the same squad during a war. Tom saved Carter's life. So they were lifelong friends at that point. So Tom went to Carter knowing he was a defense attorney and told him the truth. Carter then went about getting hired by the doctor so that he could um, represent him and hopefully get him acquitted at the same time protecting Tom from prosecution. And, you know, Harry's like, well, are you satisfied with that? That Tom Cargill has passed away. So there really isn't uh, any prosecution or judgment that could happen because he's dead, right? So um, Harry then brings up the point. Oh, so it's fine for um, Tom to kill his sister's rapist, but I can't then go and deal with Archie's murderer. And she said, well, you know, there's a justice system. Tom Cargill has passed, so he can't be prosecuted. But the person who killed Archie, you know, still has that right. To which Harry was like, so even if he gets some slick lawyer like Lambert, I've been calling him Carter, but Lambert, um, and gets off on a technicality, then you're fine with that? So, you know, it's really like a moral issue to think about. So we also find out during this conversation that um, Priscilla went on national television and denied her political run. So it was official. She, she wanted to put the rumors to bed. So Jessica's like, something happened. Something changed between, um, you know, when I spoke with her at the party where she was denying it to her now refusing, now denying it on TV. Because of course, until you officially put your name in the hat and get the signatures and can get on the ballot, you're not really saying anything to anyone because clearly she did hire uh, Archie to look into her background and whatever he found 
I'm guessing at this point she found out and at that point decided I'm not going to run for Congress. I know it's been rumored, but I really was going to do it. But now that I know what is out there and accessible to those who are willing to look deep enough, um, I, I can't put myself or, um, you know, my friends and family through that. So while Jessica is in Harry's office, Harry gets a call and they we find out that Ray was shot at. So they go down to the precinct and Ray is telling the story about how he got shot at. He said he was watching Santini's place when someone came parked in front of him with their high beams on. He couldn't see all he couldn't see any details. He just saw um, an outline of a person who was lifting their arm up like they were going to shoot at him. He ducks and two bullets come through his windshield. Um, they're asking, are you sure you didn't see anything? He's like, I promise you, I did not see anything. Like, I'm not trying to hold back information. I promise. Like, I want this guy caught too. The Lieutenant Starkey got a phone call telling him that the slugs that were recovered in Ray's car seat were the same as the bullets that killed Archie. So now it's like, oh my goodness, are they trying to take them out one at a time? So the next scene, we are at Miles and McGraw. Ray is letting Jessica in because Harry has gone off to look for Santini um, to exact retribution, I'm guessing. Ray also calls Alma and asks her to come down to the office to help Jessica out and give her whatever she needs. So Alma, almost immediately after Jessica and Ray get in, and she has on a full face of makeup, her hair is curled to perfection. I'm like, what time of night is this? Is she always just all dolled up <laughs> and ready to come to the office? I would think this is at like nine or 10 o'clock at night and she is in full hair and makeup, okay? Alma, you you really put together, okay? Just always ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, okay? <laughs> You're like, oh, you need me back in the office? I got this hair and makeup routine down to five minutes. I will be there and ready to work. So <laughs> good, good for you, Alma. Good for you because that is a skill. So Jessica goes um, into the office. At, Ray asked her, which files do you need? She says, all three. Um, Alma says, I'm going to get some coffee started. And Jessica looks in the first one. Now, I don't think we see which file it was. She looks and she actually finds like the remnants of a torn piece of paper. She sees that and immediately has an epiphany. She gets up, she runs out, she tells Alma, I won't need coffee, uh, I'll see you later. So on the one hand, I'm like, Alma then got out of bed, okay, put on her whole face and makeup, and, and got her hair together, okay, <laughs> to come all the way out here, for, to be in there for three seconds, and now she drinking coffee, she's gonna be up all night. Okay, Jessica, that's kind of rude. <laughs> I was like, this lady's like, are you serious? I wouldn't have made this coffee. Now I'm going to be up all night for no reason. <laughs> anyway, so Jessica goes to Priscilla's house. And just as an aside, okay. She Now Priscilla's in a robe, which uh, that's why I'm guessing it's like 10, 11 o'clock at night. But um, is it just me? Or was everybody like, what in the world is going on in her foyer? There is a chain link fence, okay? Like the chain links of it. Like I don't see any poles, but the chain links of it all. There's statues that are backlit by hot pink, okay? Like this is the tackiest thing I have ever seen. Tacky classy, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but it is a mess. I'm like, who is the set designer? <laughs> this is this is horrible. Okay, a horrible. Anyway, <laughs> I was very distracted by that. Very distracted. But in the forefront of it all, <laughs> um, Priscilla is like, oh no, I, I didn't 
I just wanted to clear up rumors. I, I was never really going to run, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So Jessica's like, I don't believe that. I believe that you hired Archie to do your background check. And then Gavin comes down. He's also in a robe. So I'm like, you know what? They're ex-spouses. Both of them are single. They're only married to their actual job. So you know what? He's in town. Y'all have a good time. All right. Yeah, but they still love each other. They still clearly love each other. So, you know, I was like, oh, that was nice. But also, she really needed the support because we'll find out in a minute. But, you know, she just went on national TV to say that she's not running for political office. And we find out that she actually wanted to. And yes, she is the one who hired Archie. So now this dream of running for public office has now ended she she definitely needed someone that she loved and trusted to be there to help her through this time. And Gavin being, we'll find out, part of the reason that she her background check came back as it did, um, yeah, he would be the one to comfort her at this time. So what we find out is that Priscilla and Gavin... Um, know each other from when Priscilla was a student at the college and Gavin was a grad student at the time. And they had a relationship. Um, However, it's actually an affair because Gavin was married at the time. Priscilla was not. Um, Priscilla ends up getting pregnant by Gavin. She decided, I believe, to have an abortion. Um, however, because Gavin was still married. However, unfortunately, whoever did the procedure, um, did so in such a way that she was unfortunately never able to have children thereafter. However, they don't find this out immediately until Gavin, um, divorces his wife and marries Priscilla At that point, when they are looking to have children, um, that's when they find out that she actually cannot have children. So um, they stay married for whatever amount of time, but then she gets consumed with her career. And he has always been, you know, I guess once he became a professor, that became his life. So they grew apart. They're still friends and they still love each other, but they weren't good as husband and wife. So Priscilla says, like, for a woman who's running for political office, having an abortion in your past really won't fare well for your chances of actually getting elected, even in this day and age. Now, that was in the 80s. So, yeah, for sure. And so that's why she hired Archie, because she wanted to see she wanted to see if that came up and she had gone to another city to get the procedure done. Now, I don't know if she used a fake name or not. I don't remember hearing that, but um, that's what she might've wanted to do as well. But either way, Archie found out. And Jessica's like, did you get a blackmail letter? And they said, yes, this morning we received a call, I believe they said, um, demanding $250,000 for the hospital records. And Gavin was like, I just didn't understand because the detective was murdered a week ago. But this is the first time we heard about a blackmail demand. So Jessica's like, no, I understand what's going on. Clearly, there's a third party who has now entered this situation. The next scene, um, Jessica, um, I think it's Ray and Lieutenant Starkey are walking out of the police precinct when Santini comes speeding up, stops abruptly, gets out his car, goes around, pulls Harry out of the backseat, and Harry is clearly beat up again, and he wants to file charges. Now, Santini wants to file charges uh, on McGraw. And we can see, it took me a minute, but then I was looking at Santini and he did have a black eye and a bloody lip as well. Harry got the worst of it because he hadn't healed from the last time he got beat up earlier in this episode. So he looked worse for wear. And so Santini said, so Santini explains why he has been 
out every night. His wife is crazy, but he loves her to death. 20 years, um, 20 years in, he still loves her like the, the first time they met. And that they used to have this boat. And three years ago, it was destroyed in a storm. So what he's been doing, he wants to surprise his wife with an exact duplicate of that boat for their 20th anniversary. And so he was like, I've been working with a boat builder to do that. And this is a secret and it better stay a secret or it's a surprise. It better stay a surprise. Harry's like, whatever. And Santini's like, I was trying to tell him, but he was too busy swinging to hear anything. (laughs) And when he said that, that is when I noticed uh, Santini's black eye and bloody lip. I was like, oh, all right. So he did catch you a few times. So not too bad. So he didn't get completely destroyed. (laughs) Poor Harry. He really, he really gets punched a lot. That's unfortunate. So after Santini leaves, Jessica is like, Harry, give me your keys. And um, meaning the keys to the office. And he's like, what, what, you know, what, what? She's like, give me your keys. (laughs) I don't have time to explain. Give me your keys. So of course he does. And the next scene we see Jessica at Miles and McGraw sitting in Harry's office, in the guest chair, at least, right? Um, Looking at files. So then we hear someone unlock the door and she says, Ray, I think she calls Ray. And he's like, Mrs. Fletcher? Oh, what what are you doing here? It's like, oh, you know, I just want to look at the files. I didn't want to bother Alma. So I borrowed Harry's keys or however she put it. And so um, Jessica then gets, of course, straight to the point because ain't nobody got time to play this close to the end of the episode, okay? So she said, no one tried to ace you tonight. The shots to the car were a misdirect by you to throw us off of your trail and to point the finger even more so at Santini. And the reason that you, Ray, killed Archie was so that you could blackmail Priscilla about her abortion. And, and Archie would never have done that. Um, so you had to get rid of him in order to get access to the file, I guess, to, to blackmail Priscilla. Ray is like, uh, yeah, no, I wasn't here that night. I don't know what you're talking about. So Jessica then was like, well, I've been recording this. So she plays the night of the murder. And then she plays um, a few minutes before this interaction. And you can hear this distinctive jangling of keys. And she's like, "Um, yeah, so those are your keys. You recognize that sound. And Alma always locks the door when she leaves. So you had to use your key to get in then and you use your key again now and you were the person who can unlock the door with your keys and shot Archie. So Ray is like, yeah, okay, great. So now I'm gonna have to murder you. Right? <laughs> Which I'm like, how are you murdering her in your office? Like, and y'all got carpet, how are you cleaning blood out? How do you explain this? But okay, he's clearly not thinking this through. So he pulls out his gun to which Harry pops out from (laughs) the doorway and says, holding the gun properly with two hands, okay, with a squared off stance, he was, he meant business, okay? He was about to take Ray out and he's like, just give me a reason. Just give me a reason. Ray, knowing that Harry will in fact shoot him down without thinking twice about it. It's like, I'm putting the gun down. I'm putting the gun down. Please don't shoot. Don't shoot. Calm down. He puts the gun down. Harry, still holding the gun pointed at Ray, says, you better pray you get convicted, Ray, because that's the only way you'll see your next birthday. So, you know, we see here some growth in Harry because, well, I think if Jessica wasn't there, he clearly would have murdered Ray and the police wouldn't have blinked an eye. But one, there was a witness. Two, the type of witness Jessica is, she would have gone to the police because, listen, she don't know you like that. She is going to the police and telling them that you murdered Ray. 
However, they still wouldn't have done nothing. I take that back. They would have had to because she then probably would have went to the press about it. So yes, they would have then had to do something about it. And it was a little bit of a moral bell ringing. Also because Jessica is the one who said it is up to the justice system to prosecute and sentence whoever murdered Archie. So for those reasons, there's no way that Harry would have killed Ray without a reason, without Ray actually like pointing the gun at Jessica after Harry told him to put it down or pointing the gun at Harry. He was ready, willing, and able to end this chapter immediately, okay? (laughs) But just as an aside, okay, my question is, why did he need to kill Archie This is Ray. Why did Ray need to kill Archie in order to blackmail Priscilla? Because I would think that he would be able to photocopy that page because he has complete access to the office. So he could have gone in there. He clearly saw the hospital records before he murdered Archie to find out that there was actually a, a reason to blackmail someone. But in addition to that, It's like, well, couldn't you have just blackmailed her while Archie was alive? Perhaps she would have then called Archie and been like, listen, I'm getting this blackmail, these blackmail calls from someone who has my medical records. You're the only one I know who was able to find them. Like, what's the deal? And then Archie would then look to Ray or Harry because and maybe Alma, but she don't seem like the type, to see which one was blackmailing. Well, it was a male voice. So Ray or Harry to see which one took a copy of his file and is blackmailing. So I guess that kind of answers the question, but I was still like, yeah, I don't know if you had to murder him to do this. You know, I'm just saying. The next scene, we are at Jessica's hotel. She is getting ready to leave. Uh, She's talking with Harry And um, Harry then offers to partner up with her in uh, as private investigators. So these are my two favorite quotes from this episode. So he, Harry says, "Life's a circus. Some people just drive by. Others are in there walking on the tightrope, and that's me." And so, (laughs) so I was like, "Yeah, you know, that is a hundred percent true. That's a hundred percent true." Um, but there's also people inside who are watching. So, the, you know, I don't know where they fall in, but maybe that's Jessica. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Jessica is the one who's inside the tent, uh, watching the circus, but, uh, not actually participating. <laughs> but then he suggests that they could join together and, um, they could be McGraw and Fletcher. With your brains and my knuckles, we're unbeatable. I love it. No better words. I love it. Uh, Of course, she doesn't do this, but this would have (laughs) been... I would have watched that. I definitely would have watched that show. Um, Because two of my favorite actors, oh, that would have been a dream. But... uh, (laughs) Jessica's like, yeah, no, I don't, that sounds good, but no. And so Harry's like, it's, what, 400 miles or however many hundreds of miles back to Cabot Cove. I I got all that time to try to convince you. Um, As persuasive as I'm sure Harry can be, he wasn't persuasive enough, which we're thankful for on one hand because we had the rest of the seasons of Murder, She Wrote. But sad on the other hand, because that would have been amazing, McGraw and Fletcher. Well, Fletcher and McGraw, let's be honest. Um, Her brains and his knuckles, yes, unbeatable. Okay. (laughs) So that's that on that. Another amazing episode. Uh, Next week, we will be talking about sudden death. So I will see you next week, Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time on whichever podcast platform you listen to this on. Or if you want early access, you can join my Patreon 
Also over on Patreon is a review of A Christmas Mystery, a review of Murder, She Wrote, Gin and Daggers, the novel, as well as today or tomorrow, I will be dropping on Patreon a review of the Martha Vineyard Mysteries, A Beautiful Place to Die. And if you are a fan of Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, as well as Murder, She Wrote, with a nice New England flavor to them, this is the perfect series. So I will either see you over on Patreon, or I will see you right back here next Sunday. You guys have an amazing week. Bye.